What's up, everybody? Dan, Binder Boneyard. It is a gray, dreary, very October-y Sunday morning here at the Boneyard. I am in the office, like always, coming at you from the desk of the parts room, storage unit, camping gear, dog kennel. So, <clears throat> you know, just uh, that kind of thing. It's Sunday. I know that doesn't mean much to some people, but, uh, you know, when you've worked when you've worked a regular scheduled job for a lot of your life, uh, you know, the Saturday, Sunday things still mean something, but, uh, I'm here seven days a week because I got shit to do. But anyway, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything. I know it's you guys is Monday. So, uh, you know, hopefully you're punching that clock. You're, you know, recovering from, a big weekend of Halloween bullshit. Uh, and uh, yeah, so hopefully you're making that money. You can buy those parts for your internationals. Um, do appreciate it though, the likes and the shares and, you know, spreading the word. It's it's really, really helpful. So I uh, don't have much on the calendar as of right now other than the birthday cruise uh, 2019, March 16th through the 19th. I will be running... Uh, my 56 down Route 66 in Southern California, starting in Bakersfield, going east, see where we get. Uh, no schedule, no itinerary, no plans, seat of the pants, eat breakfast when we eat breakfast, stop where we stop, look at shit where we look at shit. You're more than welcome to join in in your international vehicle. Uh, no power stroke powered Fords, it's gotta be at IH. Uh, I don't care if it's an LS powered IH, we're going to go that, we're going to go that way. Cause I'm a hypocrite, but, uh, you're there in your international, um, you are welcome. So, uh, that's about it for the calendar. So that's just, uh, going to cover that for now. I'm sure stuff will get added on later. Uh, I see the dates for 2019 shows are already coming out. Um, fall rallies and you know first weekend of october and um some of that other stuff uh i'll start announcing dates later when i get firmed up dates from everybody and the dates that i'm attending um the, all the shows are good but uh i know you guys really just care about the ones i'm going to right <laughs> oh man this morning is definitely powered by monster uh <clears throat> I've been putting a lot of videos on uh, my Instagram stories. Uh, they only last 24 hours. So you guys, if you're not following on Instagram and checking out my stories, um, you're going to, you're missing out. Um, so if you know how to use Instagram, if you see the red circle around my um, profile picture, that means I've got a fresh story up the top of the Instagram page, there's all of the little bubble heads you see red around it, or you see the little live word on it. That's uh, I've got a live story there. So check that out. Um, you know, 
What's on the list? I actually made a little bit of a list today. Uh, I don't have too many hauls coming up. Might have to go over to the Valley again. Um, picked up Dave's scout from Portland the other day. That was a good, good little haul. So, um, <clears throat> one thing I've noticed myself getting into with, uh, these podcasts is I keep, I'm getting very scout centric, uh, and there are definitely more rigs out there than scouts, uh, as far as international stuff, uh, the scouts were definitely more popular. Uh, they they are is very popular today, um, and it's funny, you know, when I t- when I pull in somewhere in my travelette and somebody says, "Oh, it's one of them scout crew cabs," and it's a scout pickup, or like this is the biggest scout I've ever seen. Um, you know, the scout name kind of is what made international, well, not made it, but. Uh, Definitely brought it into the more popular arena. Um, and the people today are still young enough to remember or old enough to remember. Because uh, I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm not sure people know the international brand other than the Scout. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of Scout talk. Uh, and, and partially because Scout... You know, the 345 that's in a Scout is pretty much the same 345 that's in a pickup or a travel all, you know, minus a few details. Um, otherwise, really close. So some of the stuff I talk about Scout-wise um, is it kind of across the board. It, it covers all the models. But today, and I hope I can cram it all into half an hour, today is going to be about D-Series pickup talk. Um, and I say pickup, but I mean travel all, travelette, <clears throat> that sort of stuff. So I say D-Series, and it never fails. Some asshole on the internet, internet goes, do you mean 37 to 39? And I go, no, that's a D model. I'm referring to D-Series. Uh... So D-Series would be 69 to 75. And, of course, there's always some shitty overlap where, you know, people say, well, they didn't start until 70 or whatever. You know, it's 69. 69 models are very specific. They're the only year that has the long rectangle marker lights like a Scout 800 did. 800A or B. Um, they had a different uh, grill, just a single chrome bar in the middle. Some of them were painted. Uh, some interior stuff is different. The AC, the, the heater controls are specific to their only year. Uh, the rear view mirror mount mounts to the cab, to the roof. That was 69 and 70, um, but still the, that mounts to the roof. Um, what else? Oh, they're just, just some various little shit like that. Uh, but yeah, 69 is when the D series started. I don't have an exact date cause I don't have that book in front of me. Uh, not that the exact date matters really. If it's a fucking square body and it's got the funny rectangle markers and things like that, you're almost positive. It's a 69. I know some of you guys are going to go, oh, mine's a 70. 
there was some model overrun, you know, they spilled into like January of 70, maybe. Um, but that didn't, that, that didn't happen very much. There weren't a lot of them that made it out into 70. Uh, the other thing is, and this is across the board with all internationals, they didn't get titled when they were made. They got titled when they were sold. So some of you guys have titles that say 71, but they're actually a 69 uh, because they just sat on the lot for whatever reason. They sat around for years and years. I have tons of titles in my drawer for rigs that are not, you know, that they say, well, you know, I had a travel all, I had a round body 68 travel all with the little marker light and all the shit but the title said it was a 69 and definitely not a 69. Um, so they do, they get, they got titled when they got sold, not when they got made. So order your line set ticket. That's what I would tell everyone to do. You can go on the Wisconsin historical site or you go to uh, call super scout uh, or, or IH parts America Give them your VIN number, your FC number if you have an early scout, and they can order your line set ticket. The line set ticket has the actual build date on it. It'll have the delivery date too, I believe, uh, of when it made it to the dealership. Uh, it doesn't have like the sale date or anything like that on it. It just has the the stuff that came from the factory. So. Uh, I, I really recommend everyone get a line set ticket for your rig uh, if you only have one or two or you got one that's really special or you've got an oddball. That's the one I really recommend people um, try to uh, get the tickets for. And I run into all the time, these fucking guys. No, it was factory ordered with a, you know, Detroit diesel. Like, I would love to see that line set ticket. Uh, you know, oh no, mine came with a Dana 60 front axle. Um, well, probably not, but I would love to see your line set ticket. Uh, and you know, because that's going to clear up how it left the factory. Uh, and you know, the dealership could have fucked up and or fucked around and did something, but the, the, how it left the, sh the factory is what I'm most interested in. Uh, anything beyond that becomes kind of hearsay and and just you know hillbilly fuckery um so anyway get your line set ticket that helps you identify a lot of stuff um but demodel stuff uh so there were general subtle changes um grill change in 72 uh dash changed 72 uh few few just little things the controls um the markers change to the rec to the little square style scout two markers um you know wiring they change from uh from externally regulated alternators to internally internally regulated uh the wiring changed a little bit the um fm radios started becoming an option i've seen a few d series come through with am fm Radios, which is the same as that the Scouts had, uh, the same radios in the Scout too. So if a guy wants to upgrade his radio, but keep the original look, 
get yourself a scout too am fm uh, um what else about those i'm i'm just doing this out of the out of the top of my head so um yeah then the next big change was 74 74 shit got weird the the frames got different frames are completely different on 74s and 5s um the steering box area has a brace inside the frame triangle there the um shackles are weird the way everything mounts is funny the beds are different on the pickups um has a different style latch mechanism for the tailgate uh, the interior is similar to the 73 two and threes um, with a few more updates. The, there's a clock option in the dash panel. Uh, of course, the AC vent. Um, you know, if you have a travel all, the middle seat, uh, the middle section is, is no longer a seat. It says not a seat on the cushion anymore. I've seen that on earlier ones too, like 72s, but... Um, I had a 70 pickup with that setup and it, and it did not say not a seat on it. Um, what else is there? Uh, disc brakes. That was a big one. The 74 and five up to three quarter ton had a disc brake front end. Uh, it used its own rotors that are obsolete now. Um, there's a guy I've seen making a spacer ring so you can run Dodge rotors on your international uh if you have that front end i recommend everybody just change out to chevy oh excuse me chevy outers um if it's three quarter ton or uh the half ton stuff you still can get but the three quarter ton rotors are obsolete so i just tell everyone go chevy from knuckles out and just save so much time and effort and get better brakes and because the calipers believe it or not your three-quarter ton pickup brake calipers are the same that come on a Scout. So either the Scout has amazing brakes because it's running heavy-duty shit, or the pickup has terrible brakes because it's running Scout-sized shit. So, um, but they're the same caliper. Um, there's some confusion in the larger models. Uh I had a 74 in here that was a 200, which would be a three-quarter ton. Uh, oh, that's, so that's something else. The, the lettering designation changed. So from 69 to 73, they could be a 1,000, an 1,100, an 1,110, 1,200, 1,210, um, which designated you know two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive or three-quarter ton or half ton or you know 1,310 uh, would be a one-ton four-wheel drive. Uh, so in 74, they changed to an easier-to-follow number system. So a half ton would be a, uh, a 100. Oh, now I'm second-guessing myself. So, <laughs> so this, the half tons in 74 were 100s, and in 75s, they were 150s, I want to say. I'm sure somebody's going to call me out on that. Or it was the other way around. 74, they were 150, 75, they were 100s. Um, I don't, I can't remember. Um, but there's definitely the half tons changed that designation in there. Um, the three quarter tons were always 200s. Uh, and 
I had a one ton in here that had a Dana 70 front with closed knuckle drum brakes, massive drums uh, that was still designated as a 200, but it was definitely heavier than uh, than a 200 model. Uh, had a Dana 70 rear, had 488 gears, had a five speed, uh, 392. I mean, it had every fucking option out there. It was an amazing truck. I sold to my buddy Phil. Uh, he loves that thing to death. It's such a special truck. Super low miles. It was a one owner. I got it off the guy after, after he died. Uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty neat truck. But um, the other thing uh, in those heavier models is the engine placement. So in the half ton and three quarter tons in 74 and 5, the engine got set back, way back. And that was to help with steering and the load loading of the suspension. Um, so it also required them to have a gigantic fan shroud that is almost always broken. I have one upstairs that I'm thinking about selling, but I'm kind of hanging on to it for just in case. But um, they have a huge fan shroud and they have side mount motor mounts. Uh, not front mount, like, you know, the Scouts or the horseshoe style, like the early pickups. No, they had side mount motor mounts. Uh, the block is actually drilled on the side. And I've seen several people recently with 74 and 5 pickups on Facebook buying an engine to be rebuilt, rebuilding it, going to put it in, and then realizing that there's no bosses on the side of the block. Uh for those mounts. Or there might be bosses, but they're not drilled and tapped. Uh, and I know, I think Carl Weiss did that with his. He got the, he figured out how to drill and tap it to the right dimension. Uh, and and as far as I know, in his pickup, it worked. Uh, he later sold me that truck and I parted it out because it was really rusty. But anyway, that 392 had been drilled and tapped. Uh, so, yeah, pay attention to that if you have a four and five truck and you're rebuilding the motor. They have side mount motor mounts. Um, but here's where shit gets weird. So the one tons and bigger, so the, the heavy 200s all the way up to 500s, because a 500 was like a ton and a three quarter, um, they used a front mount motor mount, just like the old style, um, but only in the two wheel drives. As far as I know, that's all I've been able to see. Um, the four wheel drives still got the side mount, if I recall. You know what? Now I'm now I'm thinking about that wrong. No, I'm wrong. Ah, uh, man, this is what happens when I do these in the morning, and I'm not quite all the way there. Maybe I need another shot of monster here. So the heavy trucks, the the heavy 200s and then the 500s and stuff had the the moved up motor, front motor mounts, uh, and then the up to three quarter tons had the side mount with the setback engine. And I'm not sure if that was what their rationale in that was, but uh, um, yeah, the uh, the motors were different locations for the models. So I've seen. I've seen a couple different versions across the board. That's why I started second guessing myself. But the more I think about it, the more 
those heavy ones I've seen, they've all had front mount um, motor mounts. And it's only the half ton and three quarter tons that had the side mounts. But anyway, I'm sure you guys are going to message me and tell me that I'm wrong or that your grandpa had one that's this way or, you know, like I've got sales brochures here that show um, wagon masters from 74 that says right in the brochure, two wheel drive only. But I've seen three different four wheel drive 74 wagon masters out there. So just because the sales brochure says it or you've read it on the internet doesn't necessarily make it true. Uh, there was some very odd stuff that happened in the de in the showrooms and then you know when they're ordering stuff i'm pretty sure there was a service bulletin put out to all the salesmen that said do not say no <laughs> you know if it's if a person asks for it they just were supposed to figure it out uh so yeah um i've seen a couple different versions of you know where they say oh this is not available but then sure as shit there's one out there uh so again that's where the line set ticket comes in. Uh, very important. Uh, my 71 pickup had a line set ticket and it had handwritten instructions on it. Like it was, the truck should have had a Chrysler 727 transmission, uh, but they hand wrote in that they it got a Borg Warner automatic. Uh, it was ordered that way. Uh, so... You know, it got its own little note in the line set ticket from whoever, you know, built the truck. Uh, so little things like that show up on your line set ticket. So I swear I really encourage you to order it. Um, the 70s truck, 69 to 75, they had their own rust problems. Uh, and I know a lot of you guys are familiar with that. Uh, the tops of the windshield, the header and the roof rust through bad uh super common problem i don't know if they just never put any paint there or if condensation from being single layer and you're running the heater and all that it created moisture to pile up there but um the roof line especially across the windshield is always just fucking terrible um so you know if you're out to looking at, to buy one, check that area. Make sure it's not just packed full of Bondo. Um, the other area is the lower windshield corners. Um, I believe moisture makes its way in around the windshield gasket and then runs down that pillar and collects at the bottom of it and then rusts the pillar from the inside out. So that's how those lower corners get fucked like that. Um, they learned their lesson on the C-Series stuff and the drainage drains for the cowls are really big but they're not big enough and if you open the glove box and then you press in the little tabs on the side of the glove box you can fold the glove box down the rest of the way and you will find sometimes the line set ticket taped to the back of the glove box uh not always but i have had several trucks come through here that had the line set ticket taped to the glove box still and I actually have a YouTube video on how to locate that. Go to the Binder Boneyard YouTube page. You'll see our video about how to locate the line set ticket on your D-Series. Um, but while the glove box is open, look in the hole. 
Um, that's not the first time you've been told that, I'm sure. Look in the hole, and you will see the backside of the cowl, and there will be a pinch weld there. Uh, and you'll see, it's either it'll be rusted through, or the pinch weld will be all blistered and starting to rust. Uh, you know, that's a good way to check that area. Um, the driver's side's a lot harder. You can't get in there. Um, you can stick your hand up in there and feel around for a hole or something, but, uh, you know, the driver's side's harder to get at. But if the passenger side is halfway fucked, then you can pretty much figure that the driver's side is on its way as well. Uh, and it's a lot harder to clean out, too. You got to pull the fender off. Got to get up in those drains, pick out the needles and the and the leaves and the shit that collects in there. Other rusty areas on those, of course, the floors. There's a weird, like, gutter edge on the floor pan to the um, door sill that will collect shit, especially if the cowl goes and moisture starts making its way in. Um, you'll see. You'll see that. Um, what else is there? Floors are common. Cab corners. Just like every truck from the 70s, they've got cab corner issues. Um, so that's another thing. You can buy replacement cab corners from Lightline. Um, they're not exactly the same. They take some body work to make work. Um, we did that on my Travelette. Um, they look nice once they're in and painted. So, um, you know, and then you start getting into just typical truck rust. The stake pockets will rust. Uh, grit shit gets down in them and then holds moisture. The stake pockets will rust, especially the rear ones by the tailgate. They like to rust. <clears throat> um, bed rust is common, especially if you keep a bunch of junk in it all the time. It drives me nuts when I go to look at these rigs and the bed's full of, you know, fur needles and garbage and, and it's just been stewing for years, you know, just making like a rust paste. Um, so whenever trucks sit around here, I always try and clean out the beds and, you know, make sure that they're not continuing to rust. Um, oh, another D series problem rust area is the inner fenders. Open the hood and look at where the hood hinges attach to the inner fenders. That's a really common rust problem. I get calls all the time. Uh, from people looking for those D-series inner fenders because they they rust. Uh, again, Super Scout and the Light Line makes a patch for that. Uh, it doesn't look the same, but it's a uh, suitable replacement patch for um, those, those areas. <clears throat> so, again, look into that. Yeah, I mean those are really it. The doors, if you if you don't clean out the drains and the bottoms of the doors, they'll rust out the bottom. But that's true across the board. Um, yeah, I say the big problem areas is that is the windshield, upper and lower windshield area, um, cab corners and inner fenders. That's that's generally the the worst of it. Then the bed, stake pocket, lower tailgate. Um, that's another one. Uh, the Fuel tanks will rust. There's the gap in the bed and stuff will get between the bed and the cab and then sit on top of the tank forever and then rust the tank out from the outside, which is kind of weird. Normally they rust from the inside, but uh, yeah. So um, that's a thing. 
got to watch out for as well. You know, as far as keeping rust at bay on these things, half of it's just keeping it clean, keeping the shit out of the cowl, keeping the bed clean, keeping the fuel tank area clean. Just keep, you know, pressure wash the inside of the inner fenders, get the grit out of the hinge pocket areas. Um, you're just so that it can't hold moisture uh, because that's it. That's what, that's what does it is when, you know, water will splash up there and then run off. Um, I know you guys in your, in your wet climates and your, um, you know, the Midwestern guys with just humidity is uh, retarded all the time or Southern guys where it just shit rusts. Like as soon as it, you make it, it's rusty. Um, I know you don't have a lot of option there, but you don't need to accelerate it by keeping a bed full of garbage. Uh, you know, those soaking wet <laughs> cups from the convenience store. They're, they're not doing anybody any favors. And it makes your truck look like shit. So keep your shit clean and that'll help with the rust problem. Um, you know, if you do have your windshield repaired, uh, make sure that whoever does the work coats the inside of it very well. Uh, rust inhibitor, rust killer, acid treat, whatever. Um, goes a long ways into stopping that stuff. So, um, <clears throat> D-series. So, yeah, I think I covered kind of the big beats of it. Um, I know, like I said, you guys are going to fucking let me know what I forgot. Um, but, you know, the light half tons had torsion bar front ends. So did the C-series, the, the 60s trucks. They had torsion bar front ends too, but... The, uh, the D-Series had an updated version, and the 74s and 5s got, had uh, A-arm fronts with coil springs, <clears throat> kind of like a Chevy. Um, but, but yeah, the 69 to 73s had a, a torsion bar, and those were the light half tons. A lot of the, like the 1010, that was that model designation. If you have a 1010, then you have the torsion bar light duty truck. Like I'm looking at right now, staring out the window at me, is a uh, 72-10-10 pickup with an AMC 258 and a four-speed. Truck hauls ass, rides super nice because it's got the A-arm a uh, torsion bar front end. Um, a friend of mine had a travel all that was like that. Fucking thing was like driving a cloud everywhere. Uh, AMC 401 and that, uh, it fucking hauled ass too. And it sounded great. Um, but again, it was a 10-10 with a torsion bar front end so it's two-wheel drive torsion bar <clears throat> so i guess that's a, a difference like i said i could go on for a while because i'm just doing this off the top of my head and you know maybe i'll do an abridged version later or an amended version after everyone tells me all the shit that i missed and how stupid i am and you know the normal stuff i get from you guys but anyway um so we have run over our half hour hopefully uh you guys gleaned something from this if you enjoyed what you heard you know give me some give me some feedback we got the patreon page where you can pledge you know money monthly dollar whatever it doesn't every dollar goes to the greater good so um yeah please uh if you think about it like us share us five star review on itunes um tell your friends tell everybody uh the more the merrier and the more people that are learning about these things the better so again thank you guys greatly appreciated love you to death um 
and uh, follow on the socials, Binder Boneyard, pretty much across the board, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, our uh, e- uh, eBay page, uh, Binder Boneyard. Um, and then I have the, the IH Scout and Truck Mafia page on Facebook that I run. Uh, that's pretty off color and, you know, it's, it's not quite as rough as Pirate 4x4, but it's not as nice as, uh, you know, Friends of Binder Planet. So anyway... Uh, Thank you again, guys. I love you. Enjoy your Monday, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.